The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. This is your United States of America. It is Friday, April 12, 2019, and you are tuned into the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com. Presented by Hami Media. And in association with Last Word on ProWrestling.com. On this week's show, we're going all around the world of professional wrestling. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. Find the show online at HittingTheMarks.com. My name is Jargo. I will be your host for the day, but give it up for my tag team partner, the man, the myth, the legend, the man I drug out of bed to record this show, the real RBV. Rick, you're, you're still laying in bed. Well, hey, what else do you want, man? I'm, I'm, I'm lounging. <laughs> I, I want to get relaxed so I can put out the best possible show because our listeners deserve that. I feel like I'm a psychiatrist and, and, and my client is laying on the couch. Well, hey, I'm looking at this run and you aren't kidding, man. We, we've got a little bit of everything in here. Got a little bit of everything this week. You going to do your normal intro? Oh, did I forget to do that? Yeah, yeah. It's me, it's me, it's at Art of the Beat of the Beat, Rick Vickery, back again to Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. Ready to, to run through this, as, as we were saying, man. We've, we've got a lot on the run. Uh, this should be a good one. You know, the one thing that I don't have on the run this week is MLW, but I did get a chance to check out the Battle Riot. Did you have a chance to watch Battle Riot 2 as of yet? It's on the list for this afternoon. Fantastic! I'm really looking, show. really looking forward to it. Fantastic show. Had a chance to watch that last night. I've also been watching this, uh, the Dark Side of the Ring. Have you had a chance to check out that show yet on Vice? I, I have. I have not. Um, it just happens that where I am staying here in uh, Southern Ohio, I have Vice available to me, so I'm going to go check the listings this weekend to see, you know, when the next airings are. Uh, we've already had. Which ones have we had come out so far? This the most recent one was the Macho Man? Yeah, that's actually episode one is the okay. Macho Man Randy Savage. There is an episode, though, available on YouTube about the death of Bruiser Brody. That is absolutely fantastic. It is must-watch stuff. Now, is that the is that the same documentary that they debuted at StarCast last year? Yes, sir, it is. Okay, then I saw that. I've seen that. Yep, that's absolutely fantastic. For some reason, I didn't realize Mick Foley was hosting that thing. Yes. Yep. Really good stuff. That Brody documentary is absolutely fantastic. Raises a lot of questions. I'm sure we'll be uh, talking about that a bit more as it kind of circulates and people have a a bit of a chance to see it. Uh, Rick, but I guess the place to start this week with the Pro Wrestling Podcast is with another company that is going to be making their way to television. And of course, we're talking about All Elite Wrestling. I've been saying for a couple of weeks, it feels like months now, 
that the, these upfronts are coming. The upfronts are in May, and now we have a huge announcement that Warner Media will be presenting AEW at their upfront on May 15th to potential advertisers. We know, as you've been saying all along, Yargo, it, nothing was real until we got this announcement. Until we knew what was happening with the upfront, it is finally here. And, you know, the rumblings have been there. You know, they've been kind of stooging things off. People have just been talking about this. You know, it's been circulated on the sheets. This really has to settle in for everybody right now. This is a real thing. They're moving forward. And with the excitement there, you know, there's also, I don't want to say panic or worry, but they're a real promotion now. Week to week programming. Things are kicking in. This isn't just the fun dream anymore. Best of luck to them. You know, let's see it. Just not an, an, another alternative, but hopefully some competition. This is going to get real interesting real quick. Now, we know that Warner Media is going to present AEW. What we don't know is for what network. So there, there's a couple of possibilities, obviously. There's, there's the TBS. There's the TNT connection. Chances are it's going to be one of those two. I'm still thinking TBS is a better time slot. They are going to be Thursday night, or I'm sorry, Tuesday night prime. So this is going to launch exactly the same week as SmackDown does on Fox. So you're not going to be losing anything on Tuesday nights. You just have a different program to tune into. Rick, I guess the real thing here, though, the, the kind of dark horse in this entire thing is HBO. There's a lot of people all of a sudden starting to talk about HBO. I don't think it'll be for the weekly programming, but rather than going to a pay-per-view model or a streaming model, could you see these big events actually ending up on HBO since they just lost HBO boxing? Wow, it's a, it's a pretty interesting concept. And as, as you know, as the, I like what we really mentioned there, to get stay away from the pay-per-view dynamic. Yes. Uh, because that is all but gone the wayside and when it comes to professional wrestling you're not going to be able to compete if you're you know you're requesting up towards 40 dollars a pop for these marquee events hbo i i really like that i, I really like that angle uh you know you've got you know premium content on a premium provider there and they also already have a streaming service in place with hbo go so you can still reach that clientele You've got the infrastructure already built in. And then right now, you know, we're just talking about such a young company in their infancy. Do you do you even have the means to invest? I, I know, you know, they've got a great financial backer, but that's a lot to ask. You know, hey, we're not even we're not even solidified as a promotion yet. You know, we're just getting ready to make our debut. He might not want to invest those funds in that direction. So go to someone who has that already built in for you. Now, my question is. The upfront is going to be May 15th. Double or nothing is May 25th. What are they going to present at the upfronts? Is it going to be like being the elite? Because they're, they're not going to have any canned wrestling footage that they can present because Ring of Honor owns all the footage from all in. So what are we going to present at this upfront? That's my next concern. <clears throat> is there, are, they, are they able to like lease? Or rent some of that footage. Uh, I, I'm I mean, guessing, obviously, I mean, obviously, Ring of Honor would have to play ball. 
That's I mean, they the could thing. just as easily say no. Because there is an offer on the table from Ring of Honor to AEW to purchase the footage from All In. That's my understanding. Okay. The problem is Ring of Honor wants more than what AEW thinks that it is worth. Well, you know what? Without that footage, I don't know how you get the TV deal, which means that it is worth everything. I suppose, which I mean, outside of just the, the in-ring footage, I mean, they could put together some stuff, right? Well, then they've got, you know, these other footages from these indie things that they've been doing, you know, where they've been showing up on the grassroots campaign. I'm just, I'm not sure how impressed a Coca-Cola sponsor is going to be by you showing up in an arena of 200 people to throw a couple of super kicks. Well, and here's another, here's another thing with it as well. Sure, this sounds great to people like us who know what's going on with all elite wrestling. We know the talents. We, you know, we know Jericho and and Kenny Omega, what they actually can do inside the ring. You're talking to, like you said, Coca Cola, an advertising executive. There, they might not have any idea what the hell this is. No, no. And you show them, you show them something like, hell, even the the pep rallies that that wasn't overly produced. Those weren't that impressive. You show them something like that, and they might laugh at you. Yeah. Now, my understanding as well is the TV contracts are not signed. That's why you're not hearing All Elite come out and announce where the TV deal is. They're not confirming anything. Everything at this point is coming from Warner Media. Do you think that there's any possibility that Warner Media is like, we'll present you to advertisers? And then we'll finish this TV deal once we know what is going to be available as far as the advert. Maybe Warner Media doesn't even know what the hell they're dealing with here. I was just going to say there's a possibility they want to gauge this thing at the upfront and then come back and say, "Okay, this is going to move. You are going to get a prime spot on TBS or TNT. Maybe it doesn't. And they end up on a, a second or third tier channel for them. Nothing is real until the ink is dry on these contracts. That's what we've been saying since day one, and I still stand by that. The other big thing that's been coming out that everybody is talking about as far as AEW goes is this story with Dean Ambrose. Rick, I don't. this may have broke overnight while you were unconscious. There is a report out there that AEW has offered Dean Ambrose $6 million a year to come work for all elite wrestling. I can't believe that figure. Do you? Wow. You talk about over the top. I mean, was it just reported he was making a mill in WWE? Yeah. So we're going to times that by six. I guess the real question that everyone has to be asking, is he that significant of a game changer? Well, and, and the thing that I keep falling back to, because I mean, by default, you think, okay, Dean Ambrose, John Moxley, whatever you want to call him, you put his face on a poster and wrestling fans are going to know who he is and there's going to be intrigue there. I absolutely understand that. But then I think back to when he was the WWE champion and there was a lot of conversation, like who was the worst WWE champion of all time? Was it Dean Ambrose or was it... Kevin Nash diesel back in the day that this is a, a real interesting issue that's starting to arise. I don't, who would you pay more money to Ambrose or Jericho? Because I'm pretty sure Jericho's making about half of that. Yeah. I, I was just sitting here as you were kind of laying that out there. 
the first person that came to my mind is Jericho. And from what I remember hearing, he wasn't even getting anywhere near that. No, it seems to me Jericho's deal was like reportedly at 2.8. And Jericho, you'd have to believe, has more value than at this point than than Ambrose. I mean, I would think so. I mean, I know I'm a Jericho fan and I'm not an Ambrose fan, but just the name notoriety, I don't see it with John Moxley. Why? I am a a Moxley fan. I'm a big fan of his, but you know, especially when you say John Moxley, to me, they're almost, they're two separate beings because the the name Ambrose, which will be associated with that face has been so damaged. You know, I believe by WWE, it might be recognizable, but I don't know if it's enough where people would follow or flock to it. Now, the other thing that very well could happen here, and we see this in the world of sports all the time, is this is actually a three-year deal at $6 million. $2 million a year? That seems a lot more reasonable for John Moxley. And it's not that I'm saying, no, don't sign Ambrose. I'm just saying it's $6 million a year. That seems like a very, very large pill to swallow. You know, if we're talking about names that are out there, I'd almost think that just because of how he's been presented in WWE, that Ziggler would be a bigger name than Ambrose. I think those would be pretty close. Pretty close. I mean, because you couldn't put Dolph Ziggler anywhere. And I'm not sure that, I, I think that the John Moxley name has a bit more recognition than Nick Nemeth. Yeah, I think you're right there. It's going to be fascinating cool name, to though. see where that whole story kind of goes here. Um, of course, we're going to have somebody else that has requested their release and is going to be in the conversation for AEW potentially. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about a little bit later when we get to some WWE stuff. Uh, but before we go there, Rick, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor has a huge week up coming or weekend coming up uh saturday they are going to be in pittsburgh for steel city excellence that's going to be a tv taping and then sunday live on honor club from columbus ohio with a couple of members of the htm podcast network in attendance masters of the craft returns live on honor club i'm looking at both of these shows i think there's some really good matches on here but i guess the question is coming out of madison square garden wouldn't you think that they would be doing something bigger here? Looking at, some, I mean, as you said, some very interesting matches. I wonder if it's... I, it's going to be interesting to see how this thing unfolds. Sorry, if my father's, I'm sitting here looking through these matches. Uh, there's some good ones in here, though. There's some good matches in here. I'm just, I'm not necessarily sure where the direction of Ring of Honor is going forward, especially with this TV taping and then Sunday at Masters of the Craft. Let's start with Steel City Excellence Saturday. A couple of matches announced. Villain Enterprises is going to take on Jeff Cobb, Jay Lethal, and Jonathan Gresham. This is going to be a killer matchup. Of course, you get Marty and Lethal back in the ring. But what, where, what are we doing with Marty? What are we doing with Jay Lethal in a sit inside of a six man tag, do you see anything getting set up here? Uh, as you as you said, on paper, this is going to be one hell of a match. But you're right, as we're looking at creative programs going forward, 
this really just seems like a, a special attraction kind of filler. Yeah, and I kind of feel that way about this entire show. Our friend Shane Taylor is finally going to get his hands on a luchador, and he's going to throw them all over the city of Pittsburgh. Shane and I talked about that the last time he was on the show. Shane Taylor versus Bandito inside of Pittsburgh. I am anxiously awaiting to see this match because you talk about two guys with two very, very conflicting styles. I'm very excited to see how this match is going to come out regardless of the outcome. Yeah, I'm with you. I've seen this thing here immediately. My eyes were drawn to it. Popped a little bit. This one is going to be fun. You got to feel a little bit for Bandito. I, mean, I just hope that he survives this thing. Shane's been waiting for a while to put a hurt on one of these smaller guys and his opportunity is finally going to come here. I don't know. You know, Maybe Bandito shocks the world, steals a win here. Two guys very quickly on the rise through Ring of Honor. I could see either one of these guys coming out of this matchup and challenging Jeff Cobb for the Ring of Honor TV Championship. PJ Black is going to take on Eli Isom. I know that you've been a little hesitant on the Shinobi Shadow Squad, but I think that we both agree that Eli Isom is the blue chipper inside of that group. I'm looking forward to seeing him in singles competition against PJ Black, one of the most experienced guys inside of Ring of Honor. And this is one signing that we haven't talked about a whole lot, but I think PJ Black is perfect for ROH right now. Uh, absolutely. I was a little surprised that they didn't include it seemed like that was a tremendous fit for him there. Just, you know, the way that they, that they handled themselves, he would have fit in with them. I'm really interested to see when they get a little fire behind PJ Black. It just kind of seems he's just, he's kind of just been there, kind of riding the waves right now. Kind of playing that gatekeeper role right now. Yeah, no, no real direction. Uh, but hey, that's another name. We're talking about people that would be perfect in that television title hunt, uh, PJ Black and Cobb, that would be a tremendous outing. I, I wish they would define PJ Black. At least let me know how I'm supposed to feel about him. Is he on the baby side of the roster? Is he on the heel side of the roster? Because it seems like it kind of goes back and forth every other match. Well, that's, you know, that's kind of what I was getting at there. He's just kind of there right now. No real direction, which is quite surprising, as you're saying. A tremendous talent, a true veteran. He's worked all over all over the world, different styles. He's someone that they should really start to utilize a little more. You mentioned lifeblood. Mark Haskins and Hot Sauce Tracy Williams are going to take on two-thirds of the best six-man tag team on the planet, the kingdom, Vinny and TK Orion. It seems as though we're, we're really starting to kind of heat up this lifeblood versus the kingdom feud. I'm looking forward to this matchup, and I think either one of these teams could be potential ROH Tag Team Championship challengers to the Gorillas of Destiny, who we'll talk about as well here in just a little bit. Uh, yeah, it's it, what's really going to be interesting, I love that you brought up the tag team thing there, so let's just go ahead and talk about this next one because it all ties together. Yeah, the Briscoes are going to take on Caristico and Saberano Jr. Caristico, of course, the original Sin Cara. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this matchup. I think this will be really good. Obviously, you have a CML team versus an ROH team. I expect the Briscoes to go over. But it's always fun watching the Briscoes wrestle against Luchadors because this is where Mark Briscoe really shines. He busts out the hillbilly kung fu and everything just goes to hell. Yeah. It's going to be a fun match. Hey, and I like this combination with this, you know, the CML team coming in here. 
Uh, I fully expect the Briscoes to go over. And what I wanted to include is we talk about, hey, you got Lifeblood, you got the Kingdom, the Briscoes. They're all going to be looking to send a message to the Gorillas. That's going to be really interesting is, you know, what kind of message do they send? Well, the Briscoes did send a message to the Gorillas that I saw a little bit earlier this morning. Let's go ahead and plug that audio in here. Now, we got a lot of things we could talk about right now. But right now, at this moment, we're going to choose to address the new Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions, the Gorillas of Destiny. And y'all boys just seem so grateful to be the new champions. Y'all ain't get paid for that, man? <laughs> for real? Yo, this fool said he ain't get paid. Y'all, man, y'all should be mad at yourself not getting paid, man. What the hell wrong with y'all? Just work Madison Square Garden and get paid for free. And, and now they mad that after the match, all the shenanigans that went down, apparently, they thought since they won the match and they the new champs, that it should have threw the beer in their face. But instead, they chose to throw it at us. And I mean, I can't speak for these boys. And here soon, these boys won't be able to speak for themselves. But maybe in Tomatonga, did you ever think that when when seen the Briscoes, he saw opportunity? He saw the the chance to get down with these boys that been getting down for 15 years? Dollars, baby. Maybe he saw some boys that he could rock and roll with, so he thought maybe I'll throw the beer at them. I don't know. Maybe he looked at y'all and thought, I ain't trying to get stuck in a four-way tag and get 13 fucking minutes. I ain't, I ain't trying to get stuck in the New Japan World Tag League, the most boring fucking tournament I've ever fucking seen. How about that, man? Real talk, man. How about Real that, talk. Tommy? You ever thought of that? Maybe it's like that. So what I suggest y'all boys do, I would say go ahead and just worry about defending the IWGPs, but y'all know stole that shit. Fuck out of here. Fuck out of here talking that dumb shit. But instead, since y'all know stole them, why don't y'all boys pick them titles up that y'all was throwing around, realize what the hell y'all boys is holding, and also realize that y'all done talk too much shit now. You got to prove yourself now, boys. You're going to have to prove your damn self, boys. Uh. You're going to have to put your money where your motherfucking mouth is. Uh. What the hell you think this is? Talk we shit, them baby. boys. Talk we shit. them Briscoes. Hey, keep them belts warm for us, and don't be scared. So there you have it. You have the Briscoes along with a few uh, choice four-letter words that they had for the Gorillas of Destiny. This matchup absolutely has to happen at some point. But, Rick, I sent you the promo the other day by uh, the Tongans. The Tongans, not very happy with Ring of Honor right now. Oh, yeah, and they are the current ROH Tag Team Champions, or as Tama Tonga likes to refer to it, the ROH Bullshit Tag Team Championship. Took the title, smacks it up against the wall. They, Those guys are pissed, and I'm not sure that I would want two angry Tongans walking around with my ROH championships that I want back. Any word when they're going to be coming back over? No. Haven't heard a peep about when they plan on defending those titles. Man, I was I was really hoping that they would have had a taping in between, but you know, closer to, to the MSG show that they could have had some of that New Japan town on there. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm just gonna keep pitching until I get it. I want Bell and Enterprise versus the the Bullet Club. 
Yeah, I, I absolutely want to see that matchup as well. What do you make of this whole Tongan situation? Because this just fascinates me. You have two of dudes who are two of the baddest dudes in the world of professional wrestling in Tama Tonga and Tonga Loa, two guys who do not give one shit about anything else other than their betterment. And they have the ROH tag titles, and they're pissed off at ROH about this whole Enzo and Cass thing, which we'll talk about a little bit more here a little bit later on as well. Enzo and Cass absolutely seem as though they are going to be making their way to Ring of Honor. They put up a promo the other day. Um, The Tongans, I got a feeling if they get into a ring with Enzo and Cass are just going to beat the ever-loving shit out of them. And I'm not sure that the Briscoes won't do the same damn thing. I was, gonna say, I was just going to say, Enzo and Cass, they're not really in a good position here. No, not so much. You've got the Briscoes, and now you've got the Gorillas hot on your ass. I mean, like, why don't you just go piss off PCO and Brody King while you're at it? You know, let, let, let's make it a fatal four-way, and it will be fatal for Enzo and Cass. Uh, you know what? That would actually be a hell of a draw. You know the people that would tune in just to see them guys get their asses kicked? That's a good point. That's that would be a hell of a draw. That's a very good point. I would watch that. What are they calling themselves? I saw the video the other day, the promo. Um, shit, I don't even remember. Doesn't I know they matter. got their. I know they got their new merch out. It doesn't matter. A couple of jobbers. That's what they should call their team. I really hope that Tomatonga runs into those guys in a dark alley. Let's talk about uh, Masters of the Craft. Sunday, live on Honor Club. Visit ROHWrestling.com for details. If you are not a member, this show will be free with your VIP subscription. Rick, I really like this show. I'm kind of jealous that you're going to be in attendance for this show with our good friend Robin Nelson from the Wrestle Popcast, available at HittingTheMarks.com. This actually looks like this is going to be a good show. But again, I question where is the company going out of Madison Square Garden? Because again, while this looks like a good show, not a whole lot of creative going on here. Well, you know, this has been a good good time to bring this up. We have been talking about this for a long time, probably, hell, maybe almost a year since we started doing this. We've talked about Ring of Honor making that adjustment towards more of a sports entertainment company. We saw a lot of other people talking about this over the weekend, the MSG show, the comparisons. Well, you know, New Japan, they brought their wrestling game where Ring of Honor is clearly making that shift to sports entertainment. Do you think as you're talking about the direction here, Drago, do you think do we see them take that to the next level and and really go full force with the sports entertainment deal? It could be. I mean, at this point, I feel like the problem inside of ROH isn't necessarily the direction of the company it's the identity of the company. And I think that this show is a very good example of it because you have the six man tag match. You have a 30 minute iron man tag team match. Then you have two luchadors going at it. Then you have two more luchadors along with two sports entertainment guys who are going to be in a four corner survival match. And then you have the women of honor matchup. It, it just feels like we're, this is like three or four different shows all going on inside of one show. And I'm not sure that that works for a professional wrestling company. I go back to the Paul Heyman thing, talking about the identity 
that was ECW and that was the selling point for the brand, I feel like Ring of Honor needs to define this is what we do inside of Ring of Honor and either go with the pure pro wrestling aspect, which seems like that's about half of the card at this point, or the sports entertainment aspect, which seems like another half of the card at this point. Just define who you are and stay in that lane. It's the same thing we talk about with Impact Wrestling all the time. I was just going to say, you know, we regularly talk about that with Impact. They're trying to be a little bit of everything for everyone. And usually when that happens, you get lost in transition because you're not doing any single thing really great. Everything's just kind of average, and that's just not going to cut it. And once again, I look at these matchups. These matchups look good. These are absolutely wrestling matches I want to see. I just want a story behind those matchups. The ROH World Six-Man Championships will be on the line as the kingdom. All three members, including your real Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Champion, Matt Taven, in a six-man tag against Villain Enterprises for the ROH six-man titles. Now, this is the matchup that has probably the most story going into it. Obviously, you have the Taven and Skrull connection. You have Villain Enterprises taking these titles away from the kingdom. So this is going to be the big rematch. I think this has to be the big main event for the show. Yeah, oh, certainly. And you know what's really going to be interesting at these two days for Ring of Honor is the direction really of Villain Enterprise. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, and mainly just, I mean, not Brody and PCO, but you know, what's left here for, for Marty? Yeah, Marty's got a big month coming up. When is, I mean, he's got a, a tremendous month. Headlines everywhere. When is the deal actually up, though? When does his contract expire with Ring of Honor? It's got somewhere right around here, right? Well, the, this is where things get interesting because all I have heard is late April. I don't know the exact date in late April, but of course, on April 27th, he's going to be taking on Nick Aldis for the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. Obviously, the NWA and Ring of Honor working very, very closely together. I don't know if that is going to be Marty's first match back out as an independent contractor, a, a freelancer, a free agent, or if that might be his last date with Ring of Honor. Hmm. Be very interesting. Has there been any talks, any rumors, about maybe him potentially resigning? I just haven't really heard anything about him. I haven't heard, heard of contract status. Not one peep. Might have to put out some feelers on that one, see what I can figure out. Well, I, you know, I, I know that we're kind of in agreement here. We think it's it would probably be best for him to wait before going to AEW. I think if Marty Skrull signed a two-year contract with Ring of Honor, it would be the best thing in the world for him, even if it may not pay him the most amount of money right now. Well, yeah, you're exactly right. You know, see what's, you know, don't worry about the money right there in front of you at the time. Wait for it to really come down the road when you really show your your value out there on the market. You know, right now, this has been tremendous for, for Marty Sproul. He wants everything with AEW got going, and contractually, he was left out. You know, he's on his own. He went back to being the villain. He is the leader again. He's someone that we're seeing that has that star power where, you know, with the other guys, he was just – he was Cody's little buddy. Well, and the other thing that it's done is it's made Marty Skrull a main eventer. 
bef- when Cody and the Bucks and them were there, Marty was still wrestling mid card because either Cody was in the main event or the Bucks were in the main event. As soon as they're gone, you have to elevate Marty. We heard Madison Square Garden. I wanted Matt Taven to win. I, I but I know that ninety percent of that crowd was cheering for Marty Skrull. Marty Skrull was the draw for that ROH championship match. Nothing against Matt Taven, nothing against Jay Lethal, but when you look at the star power with that audience, Marty is clearly heads and tails above both of them. And that's exactly why he was there. Yep. Yeah, because you go back and you rewatch that match, he's pretty irrelevant. Oh, it's just, hey, you put it, slap his name on the marquee, and you got people excited, and that's what that's what the point was, and that's what they accomplished. It'll be interesting because I feel like this absolutely should be the main event. You have the ROH World Champion. You have Marty Skrull. You have championships on the line. But then I look at this 30-minute Iron Man tag team match, Jay Lethal and Jonathan Gresham tagging together against Lifeblood, Mark Haskins, and Tracy Williams. I'm not sure that I would want to go on after this match. I still, I think that six man edges it out. I mean, cause you got titles on the line, you've got the star power, but you are right. I mean, this is going to be one hell of a fun, fun outing between these, between these four, but I'm getting real tired of it. I'm getting real tired of Jay lethal and his friends against lifeblood. Like you two f- groups are basically fighting for the same thing. You're fighting for the purity of Ring of Honor. Well, it's maybe this is when it happens. I've noticed this as well, but eventually something has to give. Yeah, like I, the respect thing is great, and I understand that you need it for a face versus face matchup. But how many times have we seen a tag match that's some pairing of Jay Lethal, Jonathan Gresham, and their friends against Juice Robinson? Right. Mark Haskins, Tracy Williams, like we've seen this three or four times now. Like, I don't feel like Jay Lethal should even want this match. Jay Lethal should be pissed off and coming for Matt Taven to get his title back. That's what's kind of interesting about these two days of shows. You've got Lethal who just dropped his title at Madison Square Garden in, you know, essentially a gimmick match. He wasn't out wrestled both nights because he's in a six man and on Saturday right. and then yeah. a tag match so, on Sunday. Yeah. So now he's thrown into these, you know, into these kind of throwaway tag matches. Uh, they're going to be fun to watch, but what are they doing for Jay lethal? Where is that bringing him closer to regaining his championship? I mean, that's what he should be hot about. That's what he, that's all of his momentum should be in that direction. Not worried about what's going on with these tag matches. So, That'll be interesting as well. You know, what what else is he what is he gonna have to say about, you know, that six man match that could main event this thing? Is he gonna get involved? Taven gonna be looking over his shoulder, Jay Lethal. Where are we gonna get that? Maybe the frustrations from Heat that they haven't booked him anywhere near the champ at these shows, maybe that's what causes him to break. I, I would I would suggest that that lifeblood should be the ones that turns. They need something. That, that faction just it has been stale out of the gate to me. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree. And uh, the David Finley injury didn't help anything uh, because I, I felt like that faction was really built around Juice and Finley and their friendship and their relationship. And well, and it, Now it hey, just feels it, like the island of misfit toys. You lose Dashwood. 
I mean, that she wasn't doing a whole lot with them, but she brought a lot to the table. People recognized her. She's nice to look at. Gives them a little, you know, different twist flavor into the group. And so now she's gone as well. And she can talk. Right. Which nothing against Juice Robinson, but talking has never been his strong suit. And I'm not sure I've ever heard any of the other ones talk. Well, I've heard Bandito talk, but not in English. (laughs) Speaking of not speaking English, here's two other guys that I don't think speak English at all. Roosh! Huckleberry, you're going to get to see a Roosh singles match. Don't blink because you might miss it. He's going to take on Sabarano Jr. from CMLL. If they give these two guys time... This is going to be absolute hell for you because this will be a dot, 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 dive, Lucha Libre, absolute classic. I'm just not sure that the fans in Columbus, Ohio are ready for a dot, 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 dive, Lucha Libre classic at this point. Hey, I'm just expecting uh, what we get from Roosh. Like you said, don't blink. You're going to miss it. That's what I want to see. I want to see an absolute ass kicking. I also want to see Dalton Castle. I want Dalton Castle to come out, and I want Dalton Castle to challenge Roosh to another mashup because he doesn't like the way the last one turned out with no boys, suit and tie, full-on heel Dalton Castle. That's what I want. You know, I'm really expecting something along those lines. I could see him coming out, but we're going to get a twist. He's going to have the boys with him, and he's going to feed the boys to Roosh. Ooh, I like that. You know, he'll, pre- he'll kind of present it as, okay, you have to. You have to do this for me to earn my respect back, to get back in my good graces. But he knows all along what he's doing, and that would be the end of the boys. I like that. I could absolutely get behind that program. Uh, Four Corner Survival Match. Caristico takes on Bandito versus PJ Black versus Flip Gordon. Four Corner Survival Match. Dot, 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 dive. <laughs> yeah. We get a few of those on this show. Yeah. Yeah, you picked a good one to go to, Huckleberry. Uh, I'm looking forward to this thing. This will really be a a good chance to see where Flip Gordon kind of stands with that knee injury. Because I went and I watched back that match from MSG. Something seems off with Flip. And I'm really hoping that it's not the Derrick Rose thing. You know what Uh, I'm talking about? Yes, yep just messed him up in the head and he he never actually trusted that knee again something just didn't look right to me with flips footwork inside of madison square garden then you also have a women of honor matchup jenny rose is going to take on holly dead hopefully with friend of the show thunder rosa be always good to see the twisted sisters together um this will be your women of honor matchup. I'm really hoping that we get something from Miss Kelly Klein being there in Columbus, Ohio. And if we're going to get anything with Kelly Klein, you can absolutely, absolutely bet that the allure will not be too far behind. I with you as well. I, with every, I hope everything kind of breaks down here. We get some, some real storyline development going forward. But with that, with the allure there with Kelly there, I'm really hoping that we get the Twisted Sisters. I really, that that would be a tremendous match. Twisted Sisters versus Sky and Love. Yeah. Hell, that, there's got to be a way that you could get like Kelly and the Twisted Sisters together and do all six of them because oh, the would, allure would, is three of them. Right, right. I'm thinking, yeah, that would be a hell of a six-person tag right there. I could absolutely get behind that. Let's talk a little bit about the NWA. 
Uh, Huckleberry, we haven't talked a whole lot of NWA in recent months, uh, especially since the 70th anniversary. But now we have something coming up that I'm actually intrigued by. The Crockett Cup coming to us April 27th at the Cabarrus Arena in Concord, North Carolina. Uh, They're starting things off, Huckleberry. They're going to have a battle royal. And it's going to be a tag team battle royal, which I'm never really a fan of because one guy goes out and both guys are eliminated. And I'm I'm just not a fan of the rules. Uh, But it's going to be the battle royal winners. Whoever wins it are going to take on Crimson and Jack's Dane. Now, the, the popular opinion here is this is where we're going to get Enzo and Cass. That Enzo and Cass are going to show up, they're going to be in this battle royal, they're going to win this thing, and then progress through this tournament. But as I look at this thing, Crimson and Jax Dane are really the only true NWA tag team that is in this thing. Do you really see them going out to Enzo and Cass in the first round? Almost anybody. These guys are damn impressive as a team. I really like these two guys as a team. They're one of the you know the few people that really just jumped out to me at 70th anniversary show. These guys look phenomenal. You get that that true tag team vibe from them. You got to believe that they got to they got to be one of the favorites to win this thing. Yeah, as the only representatives from the NWA, I wouldn't just write them off for a throwaway Ring of Honor angle here. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. Even if it is Enzo and Chaos, why do they have to go over, though? Why do they have to win? Well, I think what should happen is if Enzo and Cass are in the building, the Briscoes should come and beat the shit out of them. Like, they don't give a damn about having a match with Enzo and Cass. They should just come out and beat the shit out of them. They just want to fight. Right. That's the Briscoes, and that's the Briscoe way. Stuka Jr. and Guerrero Maya Jr. are going to take on the team of Flip Gordon and Bandito. Dot, 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 dive. Uh, this will be a very change of pace for the NWA. I'm very intrigued to see how their audience responds to it. Change of pace is an understatement. This is like com- the completely opposite of what we expect from NWA. Yeah, I, this is a straight Lucha Libre match. Two guys from CMLL, Bandito, and Flip Gordon. I mean, come on. It'll be ridiculous. Villain Enterprises is going to take on the New Japan representatives inside of the tournament. Kojima and Yuji Nagata. Yuji Nagata and PCO are going to be in a ring together. Somebody might die. (laughs) Uh, You can't kill that, which isn't alive are, are you talking about nagata or pco hey that's that's an open-ended yes. <laughs> take it how you want it that's an open-ended question right there and then take you it have how you want it. then you have my pick to win the tournament the briscoes i think the briscoes should absolutely win this tournament but this is the matchup that i am most looking forward to huckleberry the rock and roll express is gonna take on the briscoe brothers Hell yes. You Sign about, me the fuck up. You talk about a dream match. This has to have happened at some point. I mean, it's not like rock and roll ever went away. This has to have happened before, but I've never seen it, and I'm looking forward as hell to did this you, match. Did you see the footage of Ricky Morton hitting that Canadian destroyer on LAX? Yeah, what the fuck? When did, when did Ricky 
Morton put a Canadian destroyer in his arsenal. My God, could you imagine if, if he would have been busting out Canadian destroyers in 1984? Hit like hit one with hit Cornette with one. Jesus Christ, a drop kick was considered a finishing move for these guys. Oh, hey, they were they were the original high flyers, man. They were the one that kind of turned that on. They were main eventing as a tag team in in an era where you know that was dominate with people the size of like the Road Warriors. And these these were the original little guys. You know, they were Flip Gordon before Flip Gordon was born. I kind of hope that the Briscoes just refer to them as the old bucks. Oh, that's good. I think there's money in that. I'm really looking forward to that match. We do have three other individual singles titles that will be on the line at this show. First off, the big headliner, NWA World's Heavyweight Championship, Nick Aldis, takes on the villain, Marty Skrull. Everything says Nick Aldis is going to win this match. Everything. What makes it interesting, though, is as we were just talking about with Marty, they've been so tight-lipped about that contract status. We don't know where it, there's no rumblings about, you know, what he has planned. They're keeping everything very tight to themselves here. I've, I've loved the subtle build to this thing as well. Obviously, we know they are friends. They're very good friends. They've had each other back inside professional wrestling. But, the, you know, they've been doing that build with all this, you know, working commentary for Ring of Honor and, and dropping things here and there and, and Marty as well. This one's going to be really interesting to see how this thing plays out. Knowing that these two guys are such good friends, I think that Nick Aldis would really like Marty to be able to say that he is a former NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. Like, I I feel like this is the Cody thing where Marty takes this title and loses it back to Nick Aldis in pretty short measure. I could could see that happening. Uh, Again, though, everything's... We, we don't know what's up with Marty. Yeah. You know, maybe he intends on signing a, a big contract somewhere. And I think the way it's been presented, he, hell, there's a good chance he can end up in NXT. Well, we also know that all this did work all in against Cody. Many people feel that that was the match of the show. Any potential that Nick Aldis gets his win back at double or nothing? Wow. Work with those, get everybody together there. Yeah. I don't Here, know. I don't know hope, if how well, Ring of Honor on. would feel about well, that. I was just gonna. I was just gonna mention. You know, then everybody was was buddy buddy. Everyone was getting along. Now it's not so much the case where New Japan and Ring of Honor have kind of soured on any dealings with involving the AEW crew. Yeah. It's that's going to be a very and, and even story. if and even if Billy wants the NWA represented there, do you really risk your relationship with Ring of Honor? Yeah. Or maybe they all realize, hey, it's smart money to be made all around. We can get promotion. But I got a feeling I got a feeling that Ring of Honor. It, they took it very personal the way that they were kind of represented when they truly gave so much to help put that show together. It's going to be interesting, man. I f- I really feel like this match could go either way, even though everything says Nick Aldis walks out still your NWA world's heavyweight champion. The women's title is also going to be on the line. This is going to be a hell of a barn burner. This, this is the one I'm looking forward to. 
your NWA Women's Champion, Jazz, takes on Allison K, otherwise known as Sienna. Uh, yes, absolutely. Sign me up. I I am looking forward to this thing. Pinky's up. Well, you know, it just, just goes back. You, you regularly say it, but you said it yesterday, so it sticks out to me. You can't believe that that a major promotion is not making a play for Allison K. Yeah, I, I was watching her at the Shimmer Show. What I think when I sent you that message, and I was just like, "How has nobody signed this girl?" Especially when she was in the May Young Classic. Uh, absolutely, just mind-boggling. Yeah, that one. That I mean, one she, I mean me. she has everything. She has she has the build, the persona, the the technical ability. I mean, she offers you everything that you would want in a superstar. And when I look at women that I want to put into a ring with somebody like a Becky Lynch or a Charlotte Flair, Allison Kay is pretty much the person that I would draw if I was making up the perfect foil for either one of them. Yeah, I absolutely do not get it. Hey, you know what? You know what? We sit here and say we can't believe, though. Maybe that's not what, what she wants to do. Oh, that's entirely possible. That's entirely possible. I, we, we've heard, uh, I believe it was Miss Madison Rain, when she was on the Impact Press Pass, said that, you know, she had an opportunity. She could have done something else, but she didn't want to go about that schedule because she has a family and she wants to be a mom. And being on the road that many days a year just was not in the equation for her. Maybe Allison K just doesn't want to do that. You know, it's... Yeah, I mean, we don't really know about her personal life and all that, and she could be away from that. When we talk about, like, the rigors that, you know, like, say, the WWE stars that they have to go through, what do you look at, you know, like, especially being, like, a, a mom of a young child? And that's pretty incredible that, you know, someone, Mickey James, yeah. you know, we're just talking about all this. You know, they have a, a young a young baby, and, and she's there to all that. Yeah, they, somehow they make it work. It's crazy. NWA National Heavyweight Championship on the line. This one, this could be a really good match, or this could be a 100% character-driven comedy match. I'm not really sure what to expect, as Willie Mack defends the National Heavyweight Championship against former NWA World's Heavyweight Champion Colt Cabana. Yeah, this could be either way. But I, you know what I think? Either way, it could be really good. Well, I could, and, see the, I could see these two absolutely just having the audience cracking up in a comedy match. Well, and I throw that in there. You know, former, I believe it's two-time NWA yes. World's Heavyweight Champion Colt Cabana. I, my understanding, when Colt was working for the NWA, it was a much more serious character. I don't believe that Colt has presented himself as that comedy figure inside of the NWA. Well, and, you know, except for, you know, going to New Japan where they absolutely ate up the comedy act for, from him. Outside of that, he has been presenting himself as a more serious competitor. And especially, you know, building up towards this Crockett Cup. You know, that was really the focus. He's like, I want to remind everyone that I'm a former NWA world's champion. I can actually get it done here inside the ring. Hopefully that's what we get. You know what? Now that you mention it, shouldn't Colt like be kind of pissed about this too? Cause wasn't it originally, wasn't it supposed to be Colt Cabana and flip Gordon? 
weren't they supposed to be a team going for the Crockett Cup? Yeah, that was the announcement. Huh. I'd love to see a heel turn out of Colt Cabana and just stop all this comedy nonsense and just be the hardcore Colt Cabana. Because I like that version of Colt Cabana. I, I, I like his comedy on commentary. Well, I was just going to say, like, if we're going to get that side of Colt, do you take that to commentary as well? Because I, I think that would be a, a, a little shakeup of, you know, a fresh shakeup for the commentary team to get that true heel in there. Oh, man. Could you imagine Ian Riccoboni working alongside of a heel Colt Cabana on commentary? That would be great stuff. That's what I'm saying. Bring it on. Hell yeah. Sign me up. Boom, boom. Cabana. Boom, boom. Cabana. Boom, boom. Cabana. It's Cabana. Hey, this is professional wrestler Cole Cabana, and one thing I would never do is hit the marks. Because we're all right, Huckleberry. So let's talk a little bit of New Japan Pro Wrestling because, much like we were talking about with Ring of Honor, coming out of Madison Square Garden, I felt like there was a ton of questions about New Japan Pro Wrestling and what direction the company was going to go, especially getting ready to jump on the road to Dantaku. Well, immediately, New Japan Pro Wrestling released all the cards for every show that they are doing from now until I believe it is the 4th of May. So basically the next month they have laid out all of their shows and we know exactly what matches are going to happen. And now as you look at these undercards, as you look at the main events, you can kind of see the direction for New Japan Pro Wrestling as we really jump on the road to Dominion. That's really what's going on here. We're going to do the Dentaku Tour, and then it's Best of Super Juniors, and then Dominion. So for the heavyweights, this is really where all these programs are going to kick off. I'll tell you what, I, I really like how they've done this here. And this is something we regularly see from New Japan. It's one of those just little differences from you know what we're used to in the West or sports entertainment, if you will, you know even show to show they let us know the match order, so you you go in exactly knowing what you're going to get, and in this case here, yeah, we we've got weeks of programming. You know, it's not a week to week guessing thing. What's going to be on each show? It's it's one of those little differences there that that I really like about how they how they handle this. It's one of the many things I love about New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, I mentioned the road to Dantaku, so we're we're jumping on the tour. Uh, there are a ton of New Japan Pro Wrestling shows coming up. You can either visit njpw1972.com for the full schedule or New Japan World has the full schedule available as well. These are the shows and the main events that you want to tune in for. Everything else is going to be undercard, a lot of six-man tags, a lot of tag team matches. The first big one is April 20th. That's right, national holiday, 420. Smoke them if you got them, y'all. Juice Robinson is going to defend the IWGP United States Championship against Bad Luck Fale. We've kind of seen them set that up in some of the undercards with uh, Fale attacking Juice. And we also have the Intercontinental Championship match. Kota Ibushi is going to take on Zack Sabre Jr. The ironic part of this is Kota Ibushi is the one that issued the challenge to Zack Sabre Jr. because Ibushi doesn't like that he lost to Zack Sabre Jr. inside of the New Japan Cup. 
Hey, a, a fighting champion, you know, pride on the line here. Wants to get that win back to show, you know, just, hey, I am the champion. I, I'm going to show everyone that, that I am better than them, and he is uh, picked out junior here. Any chance that Bad Luck Fale takes that United States championship from Juice Robinson? Because I'm just not seeing it. Yeah, I, I think Juice survives this thing. We've got a couple of weeks of undercard for him to build the thing up. Maybe they can convince me that Fale is going to take this thing. But as it stands right now, I'm going with Juice over Strong. April 22nd, the Never Open Weight Six-Man Championships on the line. Taguchi, Yano, and Makabe, MVP, the most violent players. Somehow Yano is in that tag team. Take on the Sons of Haku. All three of them. Haiku Leo, Tongaloa and Tama Tonga. Of course, Yano also stole the IWGP heavyweight championships inside of Madison Square Garden. And Yano's already afraid of Tongans. I don't think this thing is going to end well for poor Tuoru Yano. Oh, wait, I'm going to enjoy the fuck out of that. Well, that's what Yano does, right? He just kind of steals titles. He steals titles and he runs from Tongans. That's pretty much his gimmick. And he pisses um, me off. Who would you rather be? Hey, talk about a six man. There we go. Yano, Enzo, and Cass. Yes. I love it. Versus the Sons of Haku. The Sons of Haku. My new favorite six-man tag team. Uh, Haiku Leo, he's coming along. You can tell he's still really green. Of course, he just came out of the the Young Lions program. He had an injury, kind of set him back a little bit. But they're still letting him run with the Bullet Club, even though he still kind of wrestles like a Young Lion. Uh, so it wouldn't surprise me if like Makabe would, would take out Haiku Leo just to retain the titles or something. Uh, then we have Dragon Lee and Hiroki Goto taking on Ishimori and Jay White. Uh, this normally, this is one of those tag matches. This is going to be the main event of the show, even though it's actually setting stuff up for later on in the tour. We are going to see Jay White versus Hiroki Goto and Ishimori versus Dragon Lee, which we'll talk about here in just a minute. April 26th, the Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championships on the line as Rapungi 3K defends against Los in Gobernobles day upon Shingo and Bushi. I wonder if that $100 deal is still good, Mr. Rhodes. Shingo and Bushi challenging for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championships. All four of these guys announced for Best of Super Juniors. So we are going to get to see Shingo inside of the Best of Super Juniors, even though he's bigger than half of the heavyweights on the roster. I'm looking forward to this match. I feel like it could go either way. It feels like we're just playing hot potato with these tag belts. I feel like it's been a while since I've even seen mention of these of this division. Yeah, probably since Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, I was going to say, it just seems like it just completely disappeared. Yeah, that, that's kind of what happens with the junior titles. IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championships on the line April 29th as Yano and Makabe take on G.O.D. And that's also the show that you will get Hiroki Goto a.k.a. Roman Reigns versus Triple H, a.k.a. Jay White. Um, this is going to be a real interesting match, man, because this is actually the main event of the show over the tag team titles. Probably two of my least favorite guys inside of New Japan, and it's I have the same rip on both of them. And it's the same rip that I have on Roman Reigns and the same rip on Triple H. It's like neither one of them can get out of second gear. 
Was this originally slated? Was this going to be a, a title defense? It, it very well could have been. Because it did feel like they were building Goto up to challenge Jay White. Hell, I thought right. he might win New Japan Cup just because of that. So you, you really have to think. I mean, I can see why this would main event, why it would close here. Because the winner is going to obviously be a favorite, right? To challenge Okada. Uh, yes, but we will talk about our, our precious young Kazu here in just a minute because I see bad things on his horizon. Bad, bad things. IWGP never open weight championship on the line as new champion Jeff Cobb takes on Tai Chi. Why the fuck is Tai Chi getting a shot at the never open weight champion? I'm so sick and tired of Tai Chi getting in these goddamn title matches. I just really dislike Tai Chi. That's really what it comes down to. Ah, damn, dude. You do not like Tai Chi. I like Miho he's, Abe, he's like though. Almost hitting, he's almost hitting like Yano levels with you. Yeah, but at least he has Miho. I mean, if, if he, as long as he shows up with Miho Abe, I, I'm absolutely in support of Tai Chi being on the show, but not in championship matches. And then we also have the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship on the line as Ishimori goes to regain his title against Dragon Lee heading into Best of Super Juniors. This will be the final show where the Junior Heavyweight Championship will be defended before Dominion because we have Best of Super Juniors. Now, Rick, there is a spoiler out there. I don't have the list in front of me. I'm not going to read them all off, but 19 names have been announced for the Best of Super Juniors tournament now typically this will be an a block and a b block and it'll be round robin and the winner of the a will face off with the winner of the b and whoever wins will face the iwgp junior heavyweight champion at dominion 19 names any chance dragon lee retains this title over ishimori and hiromu is number 20 uh, that's what I was guessing. That's, I mean, that's what we're building towards, right? I mean, what a moment that would be. But then I saw a report yesterday that I think came from our our good friends over at WrestleZone. Yeah, that was just a little bit of sarcasm. Uh, that uh, Hiromu is not expected back until late summer. So I'm kind of hoping that this is a swerve and that we get Hiromu inside of Best of Super Juniors. He wins the damn thing and then goes on to challenge Dragon Lee for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship at Dominion. I don't want to correct you there, but it's it's mandatory presents WrestleZone. Ah, yeah. Yeah, we'll go with that. Uh, May 4th in Fukuoka. Once again. Nice, nice place. In Fukuoka. Tomohiro Ishii will face off with Evil. This is one of the things that's getting set up inside of the tag matches leading to this match. A, a lot of these shows has a combination of Okada and Ishii versus Evil and Sonata. Okada is going to take on Sonata for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Obviously, they had a hell of a match at the New Japan Cup Final. Okada feels that Sonata is on that level, so he is going to grace Sonata with being the first man to be put down by the Rainmaker in this his fifth IWGP Heavyweight Championship reign. Rick, the show is in Fukuoka. Fukuoka, there's a certain man named Chris Jericho who likes to jump people in Fukuoka. We know Jericho wanted to work Okada. I think it's coming. 
I think the Lionheart well, is it, coming for the Rainmaker. And that and that just work Okada. He's also been he wants the challenge for the IWGP heavy heavyweight championship. Yep, he's he's called the championship out before. I think we're gonna get it here. I think we're gonna get Jericho versus Kenny Omega on May 25th at Double or Nothing, and then on June 9th at Dominion. I think you're going to get Chris Jericho versus Kazuchika Okada for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. There's no time to set anything else up. We're going into Best of Super Juniors. The Sonata thing, this is not going to carry over until mid-June. We have to get something hot. We have to throw it out there that's going to sell tickets for Dominion. It's going to be fucking Jericho. I definitely could see it. You know, Going back, we were talking about Jericho a little earlier in the show. That is that drawing power. It's that name recognition. It brings eyes on your product, especially, you know, for them, for them trying to, to draw so much in the West. You know, Jericho is one of those few names that offers that for you. Jump Kenny Omega and Fukuoka. Jump Naito and Fukuoka. Okada, watch your back because Jericho's coming. Well, I mean, you talk about the buzz that it will create. You have Jericho challenging for that. And it's been long enough that people aren't going to be thinking about it. But as soon as I saw that this match was happening in Fukuoka, I was like, God damn it. Here it comes fucking Jericho. That's what you get here on the Headed Mark Pro Wrestling Podcast. You get the brilliant mind of Michael Jargo that he's linking these things together for you. Because I guarantee there's no one else out there that picked up on that like you did. So let's talk about WWE. Huckleberry, I, I you wanted to avoid the WWE talk as much as we possibly could, but it was Raw after Mania. It was SmackDown after Mania. They're going to do some big things on these shows, right? Well, at least that was kind of the plan. I guess that's really the biggest story coming out of Raw after Mania and SmackDown after Mania. I felt like they were just running in place because everything is on hold until the Superstar Shakeup next week. Well, I don't even know so much. It, there was that sense because they regularly mentioned, no, we don't know what's going to happen next week. So you really couldn't get anything going. With that in mind, everyone knew when the shakeup was going to happen. I don't understand what the expectations were. And I know it's, you know, it's year after year. This is supposed to be the biggest raw that we have. We get, we get, you know, debuts and surprising moments. Going into this thing, what were people really expecting? I mean, we know the landscape of WWE. We know that the shakeups, you know, is looming. What did they really want out of this? You know, I really thought Monday night, was I blown away? Not really. I still would say it was the better, you know, the best Raw of 2019. They went out there. They opened up the show with a, a very simple opening. They presented a very intriguing matchup. And they let it run throughout the program. They they set so they set it up. They did business throughout, and the intent was to keep individuals hooked. So they did try that there. Uh, obviously, now we know the numbers. That was not the case. It did not retain the viewership throughout the program. Not so much. They gave you they gave you Undertaker. You know, I mean, when's the last time we've seen something like that? We you know from him on that. Well, I yeah. don't really know what, what people were overly expecting here. Well, and I, I heard our friend Strangler Steve King over in the locker room on Wednesday at hackerhaming.podbean.com, 
And he was wondering, well, what the hell happened? Because this is normally where you spike a rating coming off of, you know, the Raw after Mania. You expect that big rating. What happened? And I think, is it any possibility that after watching NXT TakeOver, after watching the Hall of Fame, after watching WrestleMania, people just didn't want to watch three hours of fucking Raw. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, WrestleMania, really it was it was exhausting for those of us who follow it closely. Imagine the here's, casual fan. Here's what I'm interested in. And we don't ever it, it's there's no telling if we ever get the true number from what they released to us because they control everything with the network. I'm wondering if just the whole weekend might have been down. People just were not interested in this WrestleMania. One, the build was atrocious. I mean, we've sat through the road to WrestleMania week in, week out, you know, just heart wrenching to sit here and talk about it. But you're waiting for that payoff. It's WrestleMania. They're going to put their best foot forward. Once these once these amazing performers get to their stage, they're going to they're going to wow us. I, I just wonder if people just weren't tuned in. They weren't locked in. They weren't going to just simply give WWE a pass yet again where there really was no intrigue, no build. And the, the star power just didn't seem to be there. You know, we, we talk about each year you have that, that uh, the returns, you know, the, the specialty marquee. And I don't think Batista and Triple H delivered one bit. Neither of which was on this show, which, which goes back to what CM Punk said all those years ago. You don't have to show up for work on Monday. I do. That was his argument in the Undertaker match. That I feel, you know, there's no Roman Reigns on this show. Yeah, we're going to talk about Roman because there, there's something going on there that's no, no Roman, and then you just, just no Ronda. Well, and SmackDown was even worse because you had no AJ Styles, you had no Daniel Bryan, you had no Charlotte Flair. Like on down the line, where's all the star power at? Well, and then also SmackDown essentially was a rinse and repeat from Raw. Yep, just running in place because. Everything's on hold until the shakeup. Like I felt like it, it, with a little bit of planning, what they should have done is they should have done the shakeup for the Raw after Mania. That's what they should have done. Just ab- actually reboot this damn thing. We're kicking off the new season with new rosters. And I wonder if going forward, you know how I feel about the shakeup. I absolutely hate it. Cannot stand it to me. It is, it is the greatest form of lowest common denominator booking. It is so lazy and that people actually get excited for this thing. This is what moves you in as a WWE fan to let them get away with something where it goes back to expect more, what better from your product and don't just consume this bottom level bottom feeder bullshit that they're giving you with the shakeup. I am intrigued by the shakeup this year because this is really going to set the rosters for going into the Fox deal and the USA split. So I'm, I'm more intrigued this year than I am in years past. But what I hope happens is the same thing that I've been hoping for since they started the brand split. I want Vince McMahon to make people sit through four hours and 55 minutes worth of the superstar shakeup and then come out in the final five minutes and say, both these shows suck. Screw it. We're killing the brand split. That's what I really want. 
I, I just want Vince to come out and be like, I don't like the roster for either one of these shows. We're just going to combine the two rosters in the last two days worth of programming. Thanks for watching. Didn't matter. Well, if you're either one of these networks, USA or Fox, especially on the Fox end, you're handing over all of this money. I want the absolute best stars you can present. Well, keep in mind, program. keep in mind, NBC Universal is playing a pretty penny for Monday Night Raw, too. That's what I'm saying, you know, but especially but being a new, you know, new in the game with Fox. Uh, but but yeah, both of me, like, why? Why are this? Why is that network? We, you know, if you're universal. WW, we've we've been in business since the 80s together. And you're going to send Ronda Rousey to Fox? Yeah. You, you have Rousey and Brock over there. No, this ain't going to fly. Yeah, things are going to get real interesting, and I think there's going to be a lot of pressure to end this damn brand split from both networks. Well, I think, you know, when they started this thing, the argument was they have all these bodies. There's not enough airtime for these individuals. What we've really learned through this brand split, sure, they had a lot of bodies, but they didn't have the stars. Yep. And inevitably, that's the problem. And that's the reason that we've seen them go to the joint pay-per-views. Yeah. Because they couldn't pull it off individually with the brands. I mean, some of those, you remember going back to those, I mean, they were just God awful. I mean, it was, you had matches that were suitable for main event, the program. And I know a lot of people don't want to kill the brand split. And it's like, what brand Why? split? What brand Why? split? Because over the course of the last six weeks or so, We've seen people just running around back and forth between both shows like it's nobody's business. Well, and, I, and I think that that's rightfully so. I mean, it was WrestleMania season. I don't let a brand split define you and shape that card. It should be the absolute best. Find ways to get, you know, the best versus the best. Yeah, but unfortunately, that hasn't been the case because the people jumping brands are people like the bar on a bait and switch when you are told that it's going to be Seth Rollins versus Kofi Kingston. We're going to do the same thing with the women or with the men that we did with the women last night. People get excited. And those of us that are smart enough to know that it's a bait and switch immediately when it's announced, because there was no chance either one of those guys were losing that title. Right. We, we, we knew it was a bait and switch, but that's just insulting your fucking audience. And that's what ha- and that's why 500,000 people turned the show off this week. Well, I, I think the intrigue there is, you, you know, not one of them switching, you know, not either individual. They're not going to drop that title, especially right there. You're not going to give it away, which you are foreshadowing for a possibility down the road to unify these things. But the intrigue in the moment is how is WWE going to get themselves out of this? And I, and I think a lot of people were just upset that you're right, that it was the bar. It wasn't like undisputed air or something along those lines. Well, but it, looking at, but looking at the landscape of WWE, did anyone really expect for a major surprise like that a move from NXT, if you will, or was it just such a huge letdown that it was the bar that turned everyone off? I think it was a little bit of both. Um, and I, I, I think there's another part that plays into this equation as well that we'll talk about here in just a little bit. Um, but this AEW chant, is this going to become the new CM Punk chant? Are people just going to start chanting AEW at WWE shows? Well, just as soon as something happens that they don't like. Well, hey, how about this? Did you did you end up catching any of the Hall of Fame? I know you didn't watch it. In, no. Uh, Nope. Well, they were getting AEW chance there because Triple H is out there trying to take cheap shots at AEW. 
Yeah, no, I, I saw the comments from Triple H and I, I just I and that one I really don't understand because the people that are fans of NXT, we really want to like Triple H. But the people that are fans of NXT are also the people that are going to be fans of AEW. So maybe don't say shit like that. Well, that's what got me. Why even mention him? Right. Well, I understand why, because he thinks he's funny and cool, and that's what DX does. Backfires on him. Well, you know, I I, I thought the dig that he took with Billy when when he said the, the thing about the pissing at company, that's the one that really rubbed me the wrong way. Like, if you want to take a shot, at least take a subtle shot rather than, you know, throwing out the executive vice president thing, throwing out the, the fact that Billy works for AEW. It's it just it, it was so heavy handed well, you know, to, to me. If you're the top dog, you, you don't rule sell the, for the competition. Yeah. Why even give him a rub there? Yep. You're selling. Continu- for continue to no sell it and present it as, yeah, we hear about it. They're not really on our radar. We're, we are the global dominator in this business, and we are worried about our company moving forward. We're focused on global expansion. We don't care what's going on somewhere else. Insulting them just separates the fan base. And that's not what you want to do if you're Papa Hunter down in NXT. Yeah. It's the same fan base. It's not that hard to figure out. Um, so... What do you make of this whole bar thing? Because I, 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 this could be foreshadowing that we're going to split up the bar next week inside of the shakeup. Is there any desire to see either Sheamus or Cesaro as a singles act at this point? I feel like they've both been so damaged inside of the tag team division. I don't necessarily know I'd say damaged. But in the landscape, is is there even a need for them to be singles? I, I think... You know, we regularly get on them for just taking individuals and putting them together. These guys have worked really hard to kind of any misconceptions there. I've, I really feel like they're a tag team. I like these guys together. I didn't think I would, but I do. Tremendous tag team. I, I think the, the deeper issue here is just how you present it, your tag team division that none of them are really taken serious. Yeah. I, on SmackDown on Tuesday, the big surprise the big wow moment there is that they give us the Usos and the Hardys, which in a sense, arguably a modern day dream match. And you're giving it away on a Tuesday night. No height, no build. Hardys go over a great moment. A team that, you know, what first one goal like in 99 is now winning it in 2019. A great moment there. And then immediately you have Lars Sullivan come out and demolish your newly crowned champions. Thanks for reminding me that you don't give a shit about your tag division. Yep. That's pretty much what I took out of that too. Um, the, the other thing that I took out of it, as much as I want to write a lot of this off to the bait and switch and fans just being intelligent and knowing that that's what's going to happen. So they're not going to stay tuned in for three hours, especially when the NCAA championship game is going on. Uh, the other thing that I have to question is Kofi Kingston and Seth Rollins as WWE champion because now Kofi got his moment. Okay. Now what do we do with Kofi? Okay. Seth Rollins has vanquished the beast. Now what do we do with Seth Rollins? Because this was all about Kofi getting his moment 
And this was all about getting the title off of Brock Lesnar. And I don't think that people were necessarily that invested in Kofi Kingston. They were invested in the story. I don't think people are invested in Seth Rollins like they were at SummerSlam last year when he should have won the Universal title. It was about Brock Lesnar, who now isn't there. Let's look at what this is really about here. We've talked about this with Seth going into the match with with Brock Lesnar. It's the story isn't really in the fans, you know, what what they wanted. It's not to see Seth rise to the top to become, you know, the face of Raw, the grand champion. It was just about getting the title off of Brock Lesnar. It could have been anyone. And, and we'd have this reaction. So now you've got your title back. Great. What are you going to do with it? Now what? Who has been set up to actually is a challenger? Yep. You know, what is the story going to be moving forward on the other side with the blue brand? This has become, it's not in WWE's narrative here, but it's out there and it is, it's prevalent that this is a, this is a win for African-Americans. You know, it's been the debate, you know, they, they finally have put the title on a full blooded African-American and that community is, is thrilled, excited. Okay. But now what? Because the story isn't, the 11 years it took Kofi Kingston of showing up every day, giving his all 100% to get to that moment. It's just about as, as a group, as a collective, they've had their moment and great. But what is going forward? Think back to when Daniel Bryan got hit moment. One of the greatest moments in, in memory for WWE, that next program coming out of that thing, man, he lost a lot of steam. It's, you know, obviously he had to deal with the injury and, relinquish the title but that program he had with Kane it was a big drop off from from what we felt at Wrestlemania yep and we're gonna see that in the women's division we'll talk about that here in a minute uh you brought up the question and I have to ask it where is Roman Reigns because Roman Reigns nowhere to be found Uh, obviously they brought him out after the show because they they did the shield send-off with Ambrose and Rollins and Reigns Roman was in the building So now we have a trend. We didn't see Roman Reigns in Chicago. We didn't see Roman Reigns in New York. Are we hiding Roman Reigns from the smart marks? Well, you got to think about this. Maybe, obviously, they didn't get the reaction that they were hoping for at WrestleMania. Nope. And I think a lot of that has to do with the card placement. That match was placed where it was doing no one any favors. And that match did no one any favors. It didn't do Drew any good, and it didn't do Roman any good. Well, I was thinking about it now. WWE might have been expecting, obviously they expected a huge warm welcome for him. And they might have put that match there knowing, hey, this is kind of a lull in the card. We'll get Roman out there for that moment to re-energize this thing. And it didn't happen. But you would think coming back like that, the moment that he should have had, he had, it just wasn't received as, as they would have liked that moment at WrestleMania. That would be a huge selling point on your raw to have him come out and address the audience. You know what it felt to be, you know, to be back in that ring, to be back in the saddle. You obviously, you know, after he's, you know, he, he broke through, he has that moment. He's got to be refocused on that championship. Got that first win under my belt. Now it's on the, the the quest to reclaim the championship that I never lost. Okay, maybe are they trying to avoid that as well? I mean, because that's a, that's that's a big question. 
They're brothers, but he's got that title that, that belonged to Roman that he never lost. I would have rather had that than what they did with Kofi. Just saying. I, I, I think that would have been a better story coming out of WrestleMania. Also, in inside of that, I mean, it was kind of cool that they would tease something like that. They, they needed a hook, and that was the direction they went. But didn't that take away from Kofi's celebration? Because we didn't truly get a celebration for Kofi. And two days of promos with those guys that really didn't hit the mark. You know, what they delivered to us on Tuesday really, really missed it, especially as we had just seen him already, you know, he present himself as the, the champion for the first time on Monday. The other thing that I didn't like about the, the Kofi and Seth segment, who makes the matches on Monday Night Raw? Who's the matchmaker on Monday Night Raw? Oh, you know what? I thought that as well. You know, you got some kind of authority figure. We have we have a general manager, right? Like you, you, you haven't had a cha- single one-on-one championship match in your eleven-year career, but the night after winning the WWE championship, you're just going to walk to the ring and challenge the Universal Champion, and he's going to accept it, and that's going to be the main event of tonight's show. Who the fuck booked this match? Kofi Kingston and Seth Rollins. Well, even if the talents want to, you know, they can accept the challenge and all that, you know, it just isn't just like a run of the mill championship opportunity. This is unifying both of your belts, right? Not like, even, this not is uni- Stephanie McMahon worthy, not unifying them, but you're going to have one individual. It doesn't even work for another brand carrying, possibly carrying that title. You'd think somebody would step in at some point. And that's what I, I never thought I'd say this, you know, but where was Stephanie McMahon? Right. He, he's somebody. Vin, it, this could go to Vince levels. You're talking about one person carrying both of your top titles. Nobody cares. We're just, oh, yeah, sure. Sounds good. Let's do that. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah. Ben Hameen, get on that position. Executive vice president of what the fuck? They're actually hiring for that. You've got uh, you've got Stephanie. Who else is on Raw in charge now? Nobody. Okay, I thought I was like. Just There's nobody out. in charge of Monday Night Raw, except for Stephanie. Except for Stephanie. There's no general manager of Monday Night Raw. Hasn't been since Corbin lost that damn match. So stupid. Yeah, that was are there what, any general November? managers? Are there any general managers? Um. No, I guess not because uh, they let Paige go too. So yeah. it's yeah, and then we, Shane's wrapped up in stuff with the Miz. So, uh. all right, let's let's talk about something that makes so much more sense, and that's Becky Lynch. Uh, Becky Lynch, the man, or should I say, the man called Becky, kind of like the man called Sting. That's what this whole thing is going to remind me of, Rick. You remember back in 1990 when Sting won the WCW championship from Ric Flair? And everybody was so freaking happy because Sting won the title. But there was nobody to fight Sting. He had no opponents. He couldn't cut a promo that was worth a shit. And he was an underdog champion who was never an underdog. The whole story of Sting finally knocking off the nature boy. He was the underdog in that feud. Suddenly you become the champion. You can't be the underdog anymore. You're the favorite because you're the champ. Well, let's say, you know, the 
the old saying, you know, the, the money's in the baby in the chase. And that's why Sting was a terrible champion. And it really brought WCW down. So much so that Flair had to come back to WCW. That's really what happened in that whole freaking scenario. Sting was a terrible champion. And it wasn't Sting's fault. It was the promotion's fault because they didn't have any contenders. Because Sting was the only contender. Now Becky has both belts. If, if we're not going to do Charlotte... We're not going to do Rousey. We're not going to do Baszler. Asuka's all but written off a TV. Look at the rest of that division. She's Sting. She is now the man called Becky. Yeah, the way this the way this played out here, it, it has me very worried. It should be very worrisome all the way around. Everyone's been waiting for Lacey to do something. As you said, you know the, the little gimmick act you kind of jumped the shark weeks ago. They had to move forward with her. This is not the answer. Do not thrust her square into a, a championship program with Becky Lynch. You know, how about establishing what she is? Let us get to know the character, really. Besides just the walk-in and the, and the Southern Bell Act, let's get to see her in the ring. Let people relate to her. Let her move up through the ranks before just throwing her into something like this. And I don't trust, and this is going to be very unpopular because people, everyone loves the man. They're on that train. They're on that movement with her. She isn't that good. She was, she was a step or two behind Charlotte and even Rhonda. And I don't trust that she can carry this program. I surely don't trust Lacey Evans inside of this program. Lacey Evans has had two matches on television one being a, the, the Royal Rumble match. But she's had two matches since she was called up in November. She lost them both. One was a tag match. She hasn't even had a singles match on Monday Night Raw or Tuesday Smack. She was called up in January. Or like late December. It was during that, we're going to shake everything up. We're, the McMahons, they're big announcements. Yeah, I was, for she, some reason I was thinking that was in November. No, no. That was right around the chance Regardless, uh, she's been on the roster for months and she's done absolutely nothing. So by all means, let's throw her into a championship opportunity, which really all that does is bury the rest of the roster. It's, it, it's not a good idea. She's not that good in the ring. I hope that her and Becky have been practicing this match since January because that's the only way that this thing is going to be any good. Well, I was going to say, you know, on the house show circuit, they are really going to have to work this thing out before it gets to any sort of error because it is not going to be that good. Here's what I'm wondering, though. Why go with Lacey? You need something hot coming out of WrestleMania. Obviously, you know, you didn't retain whatever audience you had. Uh, rating just a huge dip here. And it, it happens this time of year is when you start to see it kind of go into uh, an off-season mode, if you will. Why you want to present hot programs here? Hey, we saw her come out and look dominant. Why is Bliss not in this position? Well, we'll talk about Bliss. Um, I, I guess the next thing that's going to really be coming up for Becky is going to be Money in the Bank because Money in the Bank is going to happen in May now. So, who are going to be your top priorities inside of Money in the Bank? I guess you got to look at Bliss, you got to look at Charlotte. Because Charlotte hasn't won a Money in the Bank ladder match yet. That's that's a first four. Of course, we got to have Charlotte do everything. Charlotte must pose. But who else do you even throw into this damn thing? 
I think you, you pretty much laid it out there. You got Bliss and Charlotte. And the rest will just be filler. Oh, just awful. Just awful. Um, well, obviously, you, you put in Carmella. So you can say, you know, you got her oh, ambush. Yeah. You got former winners of the of the match. You got the first ever yeah. there. Naomi. Naomi. Yeah, just, you just put in some filler there. Oh, just ridiculous. Uh, let's let's talk about Bliss a little bit more. Bliss beats Bailey on this show. And Rick, now I think the, the, the cards are becoming pretty clear what's going on here. Bailey is paying for whatever is going on with Sasha Banks. Number one, we had Sasha Banks cancel the Wendy Williams program. We heard now that Sasha tried to quit uh, after hearing the, the what was supposed to happen at WrestleMania. She's not happy with always losing her championship in the first defense, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Sasha Banks' creative has been awful since she got called up to the main roster. Number one, they keep her a baby face when she's clearly a fucking heel. Um, now, it sounds as though Sasha Banks has requested her release. Uh, but as our friend Jamie Greer over at Last Word on Pro Wrestling pointed out, she just signed a new contract back in March. She ain't going anywhere for like three freaking years. They are going to sit her just like they did Pac. You think that they're going to let Sasha Banks walk away and just go to AEW? Hell no. Swallow your pride. Suck it the fuck up. Realize this is a television show. It's not real life. And get your ass to fucking work. Well, I think we've heard the attitude. We've heard about her attitude issues in the past. This isn't how you get something done in the workplace. Absolutely not. Yes, we, we all we all go through frustrations in the workplace. But to throw a temper, temper tantrum, you're not going to get anywhere. And I guess, you know, to kind of talk a little more about that report that we're, that we're hearing, she went off at WrestleMania. You've already got, you know, tensions are already running high at that show, I imagine. I mean, this is your, your pinnacle of the year. You don't need someone in her position going off like that. And I guess a, a couple big names heard her. And that's what really, really set this thing off. And the fucked up part is she's right. There's no reason the boss and hug connection should have lost those belts at WrestleMania. There's no reason inside of the narrative why we're taking those belts off of them already, especially when they've been to NXT. They've established that they're going to jump brands. They'll face all challengers. And instead, they put the titles on the Iconics, who are basically a comedy act. I understand why Sasha Banks is pissed off. But you know what you do? You shut the fuck up, you swallow your pride, and you go to fucking work. As we talked about last week, we laid out, you know, potential matchups and bookings for the boss and hug. And they were exciting matches, you know, to see them work on a number of teams in NXT, NXT UK. Hell, even going over to SmackDown, you know, working, you know, if you could put together like Carmella and Naomi, you would probably get a decent, a decent match from there. With the Iconics, as you said, we got a comedy act. What wrestling value does it present? And I like the Iconics. There's a place for them on the card, even challenging for the titles. Are you excited to see them going to NXT, NXT UK to work any of those programs? Hell no. And it sure as hell isn't going to sell any tickets for TakeOver San Jose, which is Bailey's hometown, where they should be facing the goddamn Sky Pirates. That match sells tickets. That match puts asses in seats for NXT. And you took it away from them. 
So now, now we're left with we don't have any of that. Sasha, if if she holds to these guns, if she's gonna, you know, pout and cry and do all this, she's gonna be sitting at home. She will be forgotten by the time her contract expires. Yep. And if you're right, poor Bailey is the one that's gonna have to eat all this because now we're getting reports that they might turn Bailey heel, which yep. to me is absolutely asinine. Yep. It, it's just terrible all the way around. All the way around. Like there's the the clear heel in this entire scenario should be Sasha Banks. You turn Sasha Banks heel, you turn Alexa Bliss babyface, people will boo Sasha. They want to cheer Alexa Bliss. And 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 maybe you can even put Bailey and Bliss together. And we know that Bliss is a babyface. That's got six months on it before she she turns heel again, because she's too goddamn good as a heel. She turns on Bailey, and then you've got another six months worth of TV. Like, this is not that goddamn hard. Well, hey, man, hashtag real era. Well, let's take this this Banks thing and turn it into a program. You know, and let, it, every, it's let like, everyone know that she's an absolute bitch. And between those two or those three girls, you could have a year's worth of undercard women's matches. And you could do Bliss versus Bailey at WrestleMania. You could do Bliss versus Banks at WrestleMania. You could even do Sasha versus Bailey at a WrestleMania as an undercard women's match while you're still doing whatever with the top of the women's card. But they just, they don't, it's the same thing with the tag team division. Like in the tag team division, they barely even pay attention to the champions. But all they do is they pay attention to champions and fuck the rest of the division. It's not even important. Just just screw them. And when it comes to challengers, now serving number seven. And and nobody can get invested. And now we have Lacey Evans versus Becky Lynch because Lacey Evans is the only woman on the roster who has not been defined down. It's not about elevating them. It's about not defining somebody uh, down. And I kind of thought because we saw the first interaction with Lacey and Becky on Monday. So I'm thinking Tuesday, let's get another challenger because those belts aren't unified. She has to represent both of them. Becky, two belts. Why, why don't we have two challengers? Hashtag Becky, two belts. Was very disappointed to see that it was Lacey again. So which one is she challenging for? Or do we not know because everything's up in the air because of this stupid freaking shakeup? Just doesn't make any damn sense. And, and who needs a shakeup? Becky's on both shows. Lacey's on both shows. Yeah, fuck it. It's just, it's, it's ridiculous. Somebody else on both shows, Lars Sullivan, shows up on Monday Night Raw, well, takes they, out Kurt actually, Angle, damn near kills Kurt Angle because he didn't get him up high enough. Kurt just damn near slid right out of that big monster's freaking arm, and Kurt's the one guy you don't want that to happen to. I mean, it, just look at the difference in the moves of what he did to the Hardys and what he did to Kurt Angle. Yeah, it was really awkward. Hey, if Ben Hami with a great pointing this out on Twitter. Is it really the the best idea to have a guy like Lars who's already not really mentally stable using that diving headbutt? Yeah. Uh, hashtag no more headbutts. That includes from the top fucking rope. Good God. What are we doing? Are we just trying to give well, somebody like you know, Lars CTE? Talking about those guys switching those brands, you know they've never defined that, that call-up class, not a, you know, I know I hate that term, but that group that came from NXT, they've never 
define them to a brand. They're all still free agents. Think about Ricochet and Aleister Black's weekend. They work TakeOver. They work Mania. They work Raw. They work SmackDown. Those guys are tired. And they lost all four nights. Get the fuck out of here. Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn returns. He he answers the champ the open challenge from Finn Balor, number one. Um, comes out, gets a nice pop. People sing along with his music. They're happy to see El Generico, even though he's now known as Sami Zayn and not nearly as cool without the mask. Um, but he comes out, he gets a big baby face pop. We knew that was gonna happen. He has the match with Finn. Pretty decent match. Finn retains the title. Sami Zayn cuts a promo on the audience. And you know what I think happened? This was the wrong promo. Either that or this was the wrong audience. Because up until this point, this audience played along. Whatever the the company wanted them to do to cheer the good guys and boo the bad guys, this audience played along. And then Sami Zayn came out here and he cut this promo on a Raw After Mania crowd that was ruckus and trying to get themselves over and doing all kinds of stupid chants. And you fans, are you just that was Vince McMahon going off on the Raw After Mania crowd. And that was the wrong crowd because they had been pretty damn good until this point. And from this point on, that crowd was going to shit over no matter what you sent out there. And then you send the fucking bar. Wrong audience. And I like how you, how you lay that out there. Cause immediately as he's cutting this promo, I'm thinking to myself, why, why are you poking the bear? Yep, Cause that, that, that audience was playing along with it. Everything. Well, it, just in general. I mean, obviously, you know, we've had discussions. So many other people have had the discussion about crowds trying to make the show about them, trying to hijack what's going on, truly dictate the the direction of the company. Where you know, we've encouraged people, you know, go there, have fun, play along with it. It's going to be more enjoyable for you. If you're the company, why do you blatantly come right out and be like, "We hate when you assholes do this." When you're going to encourage, right? You're going well. That anywhere, any town is now going to be. They're going to feel the need now. Oh, now they recognize it. They have directly told us not to. So every town they go to now is going to want to do this. It's the same way of how they present their authority on air. They let you know we pick what we want. We don't care what you do. We are going to hand select who we want to be champ. So. Then when we like start reading, you know what's going on in the real world, we parlay those together. Yeah, they are a bunch of cocksuckers. Can you spent all these years telling us that how bad you are, how evil you are? Now we know it. Now we're gonna you know relay that to what you actually do for your business. Poor Sammy, just out there dying like a stand-up comic who told a joke that just plain wasn't funny, and he's just like, uh, uh. And I don't like it when, uh, poor guy, just the uh, wrong just all around, all around, just a terrible, a terrible gimmick. Just the wrong. And then on promo. Tuesday, the Tuesday thing was just terrible. Then we have Elias, Elias and the undertaker undertaker shows up on the raw after mania, as opposed to at WrestleMania. There's a lot of people that have an issue with that. And you know what it's all about? 
It's going to be Elias versus The Undertaker in Saudi Arabia. I mean, WrestleMania is just not a good enough payday for The Undertaker. He only works Saudi Arabia these days. I like my ones soaked in blood, please. Thank you very much. And that's going to be your match for fucking Saudi Arabia. It's going to be Elias versus The Undertaker. This is the beginning of that program. Interesting take. Didn't really think about that, but yeah. This time of year, everything is about Saudi right now. Getting those big paydays. Yep. It's coming, ladies and gentlemen. Back to blood money. Let's talk about SmackDown Live. Uh, Probably the biggest story, at least for me, coming out of SmackDown was Paige. Paige uh, watching the Iconics go out there and and face off against the Brooklyn Bells. Iconics get the big win, retain their, their women's championship. But Paige says that she has a new tag team that she's bringing to SmackDown next week. I can only assume that this is part of her severance package from when she was a general manager that she gets to make this pick. So the big popular opinion here is that they're going to bring in Kyrie Sane and Io Shirai. They're going to bring the Sky Pirates up to the main roster and let Paige basically be their mouthpiece. I can see that, but I don't really get the personalities like Paige and the Sky Pirates. Just right. it, it doesn't seem like it meshes very well to me, uh, but we are going to have Shayna Baszler versus Kyrie Sane next week on NXT. And the stipulation is if Kyrie does not win, she can never challenge for the NXT Women's Championship again. Wow. So gives you a reason for an exit. It does give her a hell of a reason for an exit. So it would make sense for Kyrie to be coming to SmackDown Live. I'm just not sure that I like the pairing, but what other women's tag team is there? <sighs> See, that's what I was. I went with the personalities as well. No, who would really match up with Paige? And you're right. Obviously, with the Sky Pirates, you know, a lot of people are excited for the potential for them to come up. The personalities just seem way off. Yeah. I mean, you talk about an odd couple, you know, to have those two with Paige completely, maybe, maybe that's what they're going for. Something that's kind of out of left field, go with a different dynamic. I was trying to think of a a second person for the team, but I would love to somehow I could see like Paige with Ripley. Yeah. I've thought about that UK connection as well. And Ripley is the obvious one, but there's a couple of things. Number one, I am hearing reports that Rhea Ripley was at WrestleMania weekend and there are some pictures of her out there with a boot on her foot. So I don't know if Ripley is cleared to work and who would be her partner. That's the other thing that I'm having a real issue with is who do you put with Ripley? Ginny? Oh, man, that's what I was trying to think going through, you know, the roster and all that. You know, who would be that other partner? Like Ginny, Ginny and Ripley, I could kind of see the two of them hanging out with Paige. Like I could kind of see that. But even like that's a struggle for me. Do you think that they would just go go crazy here and maybe just make it the uh, the two other horsewomen? Oh, that's a possibility. Like the, the those are personalities that I see would work together. Right. Uh, the other one that I'm gonna throw out there, kind of as a wild card, is Aaliyah and Vanessa Bourne. 
I could mm. see Paige working with those two. I don't think either one of them are ready. I don't think it will be good. Um, but I could see them trying to bring those two to the main roster. They paired them up together here not too long ago, and I could not for the life of me figure out why, but it's kind of starting to work down inside of NXT. We'll talk about Aaliyah a little bit when we get to the uh, NXT part of the show here, but I'm going to throw those two out there as a dark horse, and I'm I'm just afraid that they're going to bring them out and people are going to be like, why is dark-haired Carmella walking around with that girl who kind of looks like Nia Jax? Well, then you got Carmella just went back to her dark hair. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. Hardy's claim the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. There's only one thing that makes any sense to me here, Rick. We have to get the titles off of the Usos because we're sending the Usos to Monday Night Raw because Roman Reigns only works as part of a three-man team. He needs people in the ring to play off of. Ambrose is gone. Rollins has the championship. Let's put the Usos and Roman together. Yeah, well, there's already been reports hitting the sheets that there's a strong push to get the Usos over to the red brand. So obviously that's what we're getting here. Uh, Again, I think they could have gone about it a a different way. I would have loved to have seen in some way, the Hardys had shown up on Monday and taken the Raw Tag Team titles. And then you have, you know, you kind of have this same little thing where we're teasing, you know, champs versus champs. Build up to this match with those guys. I didn't like how they just gave this away. This, in a modern sense, is it's kind of a dream match. And we just have it thrown together, announced on social media in the afternoon. No real even hype on the show for it. Yeah, just weird. Yeah, so it's, it's real nice and easy. Let's get the belts off the Usos so they can go over to, to Raw. Uh, oh, yeah, by the way, as we had mentioned, we still don't really care about our tag division because we just slaughtered our new champs. What do you think? Usos and Roman? Put them together? It just seems like the natural direction. I mean, you can make Roman the alpha, but I, I, I think Roman playing off of the Usos would be very good for Roman Reigns, regardless if they go on the face side of the roster or the heel side of the roster. Well, you get that smell and shield. You're going to get all that new merch too. Yeah. True story. Uh, Braun versus Joe. We got that tease this week on SmackDown live with Braun Strowman invading SmackDown. I could get behind this as a United States championship program, but I don't think that they're going to send Braun Strowman to SmackDown live. I think Braun Strowman is going to remain the quote unquote draw to Monday Night Raw because they're, they're going to need some star power on Monday Night Raw well, to get you, people you know, to tune on. in too. Within within shakeup, if there's anyone that needs a shakeup, it's Braun Strowman. I mean, right now it, 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 everything he has no opponent. There's nothing for him, so maybe just a change of scenery is is going to be much needed and welcome for Braun Strowman. I could I could see him making the move here, and especially if you're Fox. And you're looking at what you believe professional wrestling is. Braun Strowman is one of the few that looks like a professional wrestler, you know, from from the golden era. But if you want a more sports-like presentation, wouldn't you rather have Drew McIntyre? Because I don't think that you're going to get them both. I I think I would rather have Drew on SmackDown and have Braun on Raw because Braun is more of a character to me. We we keep hearing Fox wants a more sports-like presentation. I think the potential of... 
Drew McIntyre versus Kofi Kingston versus Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles. I think all those are better matches than Braun Strowman. So this, I, I truthfully, I truthfully feel that this shakeup BS, it's going to all be for nothing. Because I think when we get to when we get to SummerSlam, the brand split's going away. Yeah, I could see that. Absolutely happening as well. Uh, as I mentioned, we had Drew invade SmackDown. But then the the interesting part of this, if you actually go back and watch it, is Drew disappears. Drew McIntyre walked out on this match. And they didn't pay it any rhyme or reason on commentary uh, from the reports that I heard personally from people that were at SmackDown. There was no issue. He wasn't like injured. He was in good spirits backstage. I have no explanation for why Drew McIntyre walked out of this match. Yeah, pretty interesting. Uh, I mean, just something that's going to play out for us, obviously. Yeah, he he left the ringside area with an official, went backstage, but nothing. Like they didn't even put it over on commentary. Just weird. Very weird. Let's talk a little bit about NXT to wrap up this week's show because this was largely a throwaway episode of NXT as most of the takeovers right after the TV episodes right after a takeover are. Uh, These matches all filmed before takeover. One very, very positive note that I have to say is Candice LeRae got the opening babyface pop because we, we, we know that they film all these matches before takeover. Candice versus Aaliyah was the first match. Candice LeRae getting the first big babyface pop. And Brooklyn welcomed Candice LeRae. Very, very nice to hear that people haven't forgotten about her. Rick, I hated this fucking match. I absolutely hated this match. Uh, I I encourage everybody to go back and watch this match. Um, Because Candice LeRae makes Aaliyah look like an actual in-ring competitor. Because that's how freaking good Candice LeRae is. Aaliyah, on the other hand, doesn't sell one fucking move. Not one. Everything that Candice does to her, she just pops right fucking up. Doesn't sell shit. This match was awful. Absolutely awful. Is that because... Because she doesn't know what the fuck she's doing. I was just going to say, she's just so green right now. And she and it doesn't seem like she's really, a, I haven't seen much of her. But what I have, it doesn't seem like she's adapt, like she's able to absorb the concept as much. The only thing that makes any sense to me about Candace and NXT at this point, I'm seeing her work with talent like Aaliyah here. I wonder if Candace is doing that gatekeeper player coach kind of thing, kind of like Ono was doing there for a while, working with a lot of this younger talent. That's the only thing that makes any sense to me. Candace gets the win here, but this match drove me absolutely freaking insane. And if you just watch it, you'll be like, I don't, I don't get what the big deal is. Act, go back and actually watch that match. Aaliyah doesn't sell shit. It's awful. And I think there's a real possibility she finds herself on SmackDown this coming Tuesday. Jackson Riker takes on Danny Burch on this show. Very obvious. This is setting up the Forgotten Sons versus the one-two punch. I can absolutely get behind that as a uh, number one contender program going towards TakeOver Toronto. Um, What do you think of Jackson Riker, the former gunner from TNA Wrestling? What do you make of this guy? Because he's got a great look. He's got, but he's just, there's nothing there. 
he's one of those guys that it's, I'll put him in that, that group of, it's like a Kenny King from ring of honor. You, you look at him, uh, he's got everything, all the intangibles, you, everything seems to be there, but for whatever reason, it doesn't quite mesh together. And it just, it doesn't click personally with me. And I feel that that's the case with the, many of individuals when it comes to him, there's something there that's it's that, that missing link where there isn't that connection. Next week on NXT TV, we are going to have ourselves a good old-fashioned North American Championship match. It's going to be the Velveteen Dream taking on a man that he met at WrestleMania, and they didn't seem to get along very well. The former star of 205 Live, the former Cruiserweight Champion, Buddy Murphy versus the Velveteen Dream in next week's main event. Absolutely tuning in to see that matchup. Rick, we had talked about the potential of Buddy Murphy making a stop in NXT. I'm hoping that this is a one-off. I hope he goes down there. They have a hell of a match. Velveteen goes over. Buddy Murphy is on SmackDown Live. I could see some lonely side. And I would be okay if he went back through NXT or even over to the UK. But this isn't the first time we've seen them kind of do something like this. Uh, we've seen people from 205 come over to challenge yeah. Dream. Uh, I can't. The PowerPoint guy. What? What the hell is uh, Drew Gulak? Yeah, Gulak came over, and and I think there's been some other individuals. So maybe we are getting something like that. Let him go back down there. Hey, he's done an incredible job at 205, reinventing himself. But it's gonna be interesting to see the pop that he gets. You know, the, the welcoming back. Uh, the only other thing that I wanted to talk to you about this week is kind of a spoiler. Kind of not. Uh, Kushida debuted at NXT TakeOver New York. We now know that Kushida debuted at this set of NXT tapings. But, Rick, the thing that I find interesting about this, he's just Kushida. He came out in the Marty McFly getup and, like, the whole time splitter. Like, they didn't change Kushida at all. Can they even do that? Can he be Kushida? Or, like, is Disney going to be calling and being, like, knock that fucking Marty McFly impersonator off? Like, can he even do that? Because it's so clear that he's doing Marty McFly. I was, what really got me is how surprised people were with the act. Like, they had no idea. Because you, you heard about the buzz, people loving that he was on his way. And then he debuts and people were, like, confused by it. Yeah. I, I had, had you been paying attention? Did you pay attention at all to... Or were you just listening to hype? There was there was one thread where somebody had posted a couple of pictures from his entrance. And we're like, somebody explain this to me. Is he supposed to be Marty McFly? And I simply commented, yep. Yeah, that's pretty simple. That's what it is. <laughs> that's that's literally the fucking gimmick. That's what it is. I thought it was interesting, hey, maybe, though. Maybe, uh, maybe it helps when they eventually sell to Disney. <laughs> we even got... Japanese Marty McFly will fit right in. All right. Now, so who are you going to cast as Doc in the, within the WWE? You know, that's so interesting because Taguchi was Doc over right. in uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Hmm. I mean, I would love to see it be William Regal. I would pop. I was like just going to ask you, you think, Re you think Regal could pull it off? I would pop like hell for William Regal as Doc Brown. There's the headline for this week's show. William Regal is Doc Brown. Awesome.
It's very good. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then find the entire HTM Podcast Network online at hittingthemarks.com for links to the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com, as well as Last Word on Pro Wrestling. Find us in the locker room this Monday over at hackerhameen.podbean.com. You can bet we're going to be talking some Ring of Honor because Huckleberry is going to be at that Columbus show. And that's going to be awesome. You can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo, RBV. Tell the people where to find you. Well, Jargo, thank you for uh, setting Robin us up with the, uh, the press press credentials going into Sunday's show. Uh, everybody out there, please keep your uh, keep your eyes and your ears open across all social media at the real RBV is we'll be going uh, the best we can be going live from Ring of Honor that evening. Hopefully, going to be bringing you some uh, some great insight and sit down with some of the uh, the stars of Ring of Honor. And I'm sure I'll have some of that to, to bring along with me uh, Monday in the locker room as well. We'll talk to you Monday. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! Watch your fingers. Label me. Don't give up. Trapping the blame on me I smell self-righteousness That's the bad guy Go!